Bob's almost ready. Welcome to episode 107 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're new around here, I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. If you're not new around here, if you've been with us for much of the journey or even for a little bit of the journey, thank you so much for returning. As I mentioned, I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. But especially, you can follow me over on Twitter, where you can tweet at me, you can DM me, whatever you want over there. Bring me questions comments concerns topics whatever you've got for the show uh, as they relate to video games blizzard games overwatch of course overwatch 2 the overwatch league anything in general as it relates to video games and i will talk about it on the show um, as i'd love to talk to you but enough with all that we've got a big show to get to here we've got lots of news to cover actually surprisingly enough so let's get on in there you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends and all that jazz now of course i also encourage you to check me out over on the ready set pwn podcast if you enjoy what you heard here today ready set pwn is of course your premier source for everything vancouver titans and toronto defiant of course as we are now in the thick of the Overwatch League Season 6, uh, both One Man Watchpoint and Ready Set Pwn will be recording a weekly episode. Um, I am actually moving my recording night from what was previously Monday nights to Wednesday nights, so you can look forward to One Man Watchpoint actually posting either late Wednesday, but more likely early Thursdays. Uh, so if you're looking for a bit of a warm-up heading into the next weekend for the Overwatch League, then definitely check out One Man Watchpoint. If you're looking for more of a recap of what happened in the world of the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. Now, we've got a lot to talk about, as I mentioned. So let's go ahead and dive on in. Bob's ready. All right. So before we kick things off here, I'm going to actually mention something that I don't recall if I did talk about on last week's episode or not. But I wanted to just mention here at the top of this episode, of course, that is that the Boston Uprising support Izayaki actually suffered from a collapsed lung. Uh, this news broke uh, some point last week before this past weekend's matches in the Overwatch League. Um, so, of course, they did announce that he would not be playing. And, of course, they do have an all-star, uh, uh, I don't know, bench warmer, if you can even call him that, uh, on the Boston Uprising in Twilight. Of course, as you know, I'm a big Twilight stan. Uh, he easily beats, you know, Izayaki 10 out of 10 times on, on the honor, if you ask me. Um, and he's certainly no schlup on many other uh, support characters. So, um Wanted to mention it here in case I did forget to cover it on last week's episode, or it hadn't happened when I did recover uh, last Monday night. So, when I recorded last Monday night. So, anyways, Izayaki suffered from a collapsed lung. Uh, the Boston Uprising did, I think, actually tweet today as of recording. This is Wednesday, May 10th. Uh, they did tweet that he is now doing better. He is recovering. Um, and he is, I believe, even back at the uh, facility either. I'm not sure if they live there or they just practice there. But they did tweet out a picture of him, and he is looking well. So... Glad to see that he's on the mend, um, and of course, we wish him all him the best, uh, even if we don't wish the Boston Uprising the best, but we'll talk more about that later. So, wanted to mention that. That's it for that story. Now, let's move on to an actual news story here, which kicks things off in a pretty big way. This is an article from DottieSports.com written by Scott Dew, posted on May 4th, which reads, quote, a lot, end quote, in store for BlizzCon 2023, with more news on the way, Blizzard president says. It's been a long, sad wait for longtime fans of BlizzCon, but there is brightness on the horizon. Blizzard Entertainment Presida, pre, sorry, Presida, what is a Presida? President Mike Ibarra, I think I was looking at Ibarra and I was combining it with the president. Anyways, teased today that news about BlizzCon 2023 is coming very soon, drumming up the hype for what could be the first in-person event for the long-running convention since 2019. They've got the tweet embedded from him here, which reads, Okay, okay, yes, I see all the BlizzCon questions. You'll hear more in the next about two weeks. We're excited. We have a lot to show and celebrate together. I can't wait. So he posted that on May 4th, and he says in the next two weeks. So let's take a quick peek at the calendar before I read the rest of the story. May 4th. So as of the time you're listening to this, that was one week ago. Um, so at this point, We've got maybe one more week. He says about two weeks. So, you know, I'd say by the 19th, 20th, we should be hearing more. If not, probably uh, early in the week of the 22nd of May, we would probably hear more about BlizzCon. So 
Cross your fingers, we'll get something there. Uh, exciting stuff. Let's continue the article here. It reads, BlizzCon 2020 was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but returned for an online-only BlizzConline event in February 2021. The event was not held at all once more in 2022. They've then got the uh, actual tweet there from Mike Ibarra, and the article reads, this year's BlizzCon could be a big one, with Diablo 4's launch coming next month, Overwatch 2 players awaiting news on the game's single-player campaign component, and World of Warcraft likely due for some announcements. There's plenty of plenty for gamers everywhere to look forward to. There's always a chance for more news on games like StarCraft, Hearthstone, or even a new IP to pop up out of nowhere, too. There should be some esports announcements to look forward to as well. At the very least, the 2023 Overwatch World Cup LAN Finals will likely take place at BlizzCon as it has in the past, marking the first World Cup played in Overwatch 2. But as always with BlizzCon, the true joy is found in attending the event in Anaheim, California with friends or hanging out and making new ones. Whatever announcements impending, it will likely be a confirmation of dates for this year's event. Fans of Blizzard games and gaming in general should keep their eyes peeled for more teases from Ibarra or an announcement from official Blizzard channels in the next few days. So there you go. Uh, like I said, kicking things off with a bang. That's a that's a big deal. Uh, I know many people have been eagerly anticipating the return of uh, BlizzCon, of course. Um, it is a big deal for a lot of Blizzard fans. and I mean, the fact that this single single video game entity uh you know in blizzard can have their own conference i think just speaks to the power and uh the the breadth of of their their game catalog really i mean between world of warcraft starcraft uh i mean throw overwatch in there hearthstone um between those sort of four properties the reach that blizzard games have had in the past and obviously i say world of warcraft as well but that also kind of encompasses warcraft oh and diablo that's the other big one that i was forgetting um but the fact is you know this is a this is no small feat for them to hold their own conference just dedicated to you know them their games and their their players so it's it's something that a lot of people will be greatly looking forward to so uh, I don't personally foresee myself going, but if I could, if anyone wants to send me, then hey, I'm I'm accepting offers. So uh, reach out to me over on Twitter at uh, Sir Doctor J M Sir D R J M. Anyways, let's move on. We're gonna head over to some slightly more Overwatch-related news. Um, you'll see what I mean in a second here. Although it also touches on the Call of Duty League. So this time we've got another article by Scott Dew posted on May fifth, which this time which reads. Activision gives bleak outlook on futures of Call of Duty League Overwatch League. Activision has publicly admitted to some increasing concerns about two of its esports endeavors, the Call of Duty League and Overwatch League, in a new report. The information comes from Activision's latest filings with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, which primarily exists to enforce laws against manipulation of the stock market. Quote, Our collaborative arrangements for our professional esports leagues, i.e. the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, continue to face headwinds which are negatively impacting the operations and, potentially, the longevity of the leagues under the current business model, Activision said in a section titled, quote, Importance of Our Franchises. Continuing with uh, the, the SEC filing, We continue to work to address these challenges, which could result in significant costs and such efforts may prove unsuccessful. Basically, this means attempting to try and make both esports leagues more profitable may prove to be too expensive and, in the end, not worth it overall when it comes to the bottom line. Quote, Overall, we expect that our most popular franchises will continue to produce a disproportionately high percentage of our revenues and profits in the near future. Activision said of its valuable IPs like Call of Duty, Diablo, Overwatch, and Warcraft. Quote, Accordingly, our ability to maintain these franchises and to successfully compete against the wide range of competitive titles available in the industry could significantly impact our performance. Activision publicly questioning the longevity of both the CDL and OWL is a new cause for concern for the company's investors and esports fans alike, but the publisher has plans on how to increase revenues, and it involves a whole lot more seasonal content in live in, no, in sorry, live service and free-to-play titles. Activision said it's, quote, continually exploring additional ways to expand our franchises and games, including continuous aims to, quote, increase player engagement with seasonal content in live service games like Call of Duty, quote, with the aim of releasing such content more frequently. The company also admitted it has, quote, experienced challenges in both the retention of our existing talent and attraction of new talent, end quote, when it comes to game development, but it has seen, quote, 
it has, quote, seen increasingly positive trends in these areas, end quote. In the report, Activision said Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, uh, sorry, Warcraft, and Candy Crush alone accounted for 79% of its consolidated net revenue in 2022. So a uh, lot, lot of word salad in that article, but what does this all mean? I mean, the interesting thing here is that because this is a sort of a legal filing, uh, they have to be very very plain about what they're talking about now obviously again it is a little bit of lawyer speech but what it boils down to is they are saying that you know the call of duty league and the overwatch league have certainly not been nearly as profitable as they might have imagined now the more interesting part of that as a whole is the fact that is is the focus on call of duty league because i think uh you know you look at call of duty you look at the juggernaut that call of duty became over the past uh you know two decades really um kind of from the original uh, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare onwards, it kind of became this beast where Activision was one of these first companies that looked at what they had and said, we're going to put out a yearly entry, entry into this franchise because they sell gangbusters and they are one of the largest properties. And they saw a ton of success with that for a very, very long time. Now they've had, you know, ups and downs, certainly. Uh, but I do think it the Call of Duty largely remains in the top 10, you know, best-selling games every year. Um, it is a cash cow for the company. And the fact that they have not been that successful at turning that into an actual competitive, uh, well, a profitable competitive uh, esports league um, is a little bit shocking, right? It does kind of say that there's obviously been uh, some element of, of mismanagement. But the interesting thing here is that they do talk about, you know, we have other revenue options that we would like to explore and we know we need to get better kind of thing at... Um, at really taking advantage of of the live service aspect to uh, these games and everything like that. So, you know, nothing too groundbreaking. Ultimately, do I think this spells doom and gloom for uh, for the Overwatch League? Certainly not. Um, I think, you know, switching gears over to the Overwatch League, I think it's, you know, anyone who's been a fan or been following the League is not necessarily surprised to hear this, really. Um, I think we all know the the Twitch numbers and the YouTube numbers that that they get when they have been streaming. I guess they don't do Twitch anymore, but um, it's not been super shocking because the concurrent viewers is never incredibly high, and even struggles to compete with a lot of other you know larger esports, right? But the fact is, uh, we know that they are also profitable on Overwatch as a whole, so it's kind of like the game is funding the esports league in a lot of ways. So what does this truly mean? Who knows? We'll see. Um, it may mean changes to these operations. Um, if you've been watching season six of the Overwatch League, you know that I think this is the um, probably one of the most impressive desks and sets that they've had. Um, they've actually brought in some technology and are able to really take advantage of, you know, doing replays on the desk and things like that. They've got, uh, you know, digital boards where they can actually interact with the play and things like that. So it's looking really good. I think this is probably the most, the most professional and the most cool um, uh, set we've seen yet. So... I'm really looking forward to seeing where they do go from here. And also, I mean, you've also got the hand of Microsoft, you know, looming uh, despite, uh, you know, certain falling throughs on that side of things that we won't get into. But we'll see. There's a lot that could change very quickly. Moving on, we're going to head over to thegamehouse.com, this time with an article posted by Deba Cowell on May 7th, which reads, Welcome, uh, sorry, which reads, Bellas Rea joins the Soul Dynasty. The Soul Dynasty announced their sixth player as the main tank, Belisaria. It was previously rumored that Belisaria would be joining the Dynasty, but the official announcement just dropped a day before their first match. Belisaria has been in the Overwatch League since 2019, but his most notable teams are T1, Philadelphia Fusion, and Pantera. He will be joining Void as the tank for the Soul Dynasty in the sixth season of the Overwatch League. Belisaria is most known for his main tank roles of Winston, Reinhardt, and Ball. And by ball, of course, they mean wrecking ball. He fills a gap of expertise that Void has as more of an off-tank expert. The addition of Bellisria gives the Dynasty extra flexibility when it comes to compositions and strategies now that they have two main tanks. Watch out to see if the newest member of the Soul Dynasty will be starting in their match against the Soul Infernal. Bracket, Philadelphia Fusion. So, of course, you know, short article there, but did want to shout out Bellisria. Of course, we have seen uh, Bellisria play before, uh, as uh, David Cowell mentions there. He was uh, previously with the um, the Philadelphia Fusion before, of course, they became the Soul Infernal. So, good for him. Moving on from there, we're going to head back over to DottieSports.com, this time with an article by Max Michelli on May 9th, 
which reads Overwatch 2 main 9th mid-season patch notes and updates. It's the middle of Overwatch 2 season 4 and that means a new balance patch is hot and fresh off the presses for players who have spent the past month unhappy with the state of the meta. With a whopping 10 different heroes getting balance changes today, there's a lot more to digest than players might be used to from the typical mid-cycle patch. While some pardon me, nerfs and buffs are extraordinarily minuscule and are only for one or two abilities, a major set of Junker Queen buffs serve as the highlight of the patch. Here are the patch notes. So uh, I'll read through most of these, some of these. Uh, we'll kind of go through them and then we'll read what, how they break it down here. So Junker Queen, scattergun ammo increased from eight up to six. That's interesting. That's not an increase. That's a decrease. Curious which exactly it is there, but we'll come back to that. Jagged Blade projectile size increased from uh, to 0 0.2 meters, up from 0 0.15. Rampage deals 40 impact damage, but wound damage is decreased to 60, down from 100. Adrenaline Rush Healing Multiplier increased to 2 times damage dealt by wounds, up from 1.25. Junker Queen is one of the least represented tanks in the game. The developers said the aim with these changes is to give the hero a stronger, quote, frontline presence. The improvement to Adrenaline Rush is where this goal will most likely be felt the strongest. Now, the interesting thing here, uh, this is this is me, not the article talking, is that uh, all of the pros and uh, the scene right now is screaming that this is basically going to make everything turn into a Junker Queen meta. Now, obviously we know at, uh, you know, the tiers that I play in, metas don't often really come into play all that much it's not usually a huge uh a huge deal um but if you look online you will see clips from uh you know uh a, a larger streamers former professionals like super uh playing junker queen and he actually gets junker queen's ult i think twice within 15 seconds of each other and that's because this buff has uh you know buffed junker queen so much essentially the healing multiplier allows her to go from very low health almost back to full health uh simply by adding that um because of that adrenaline rush healing so essentially going up from 1.5 1.25 to two times damage dealt by wounds essentially if you are able to finish off a player who is wounded then that buff comes to you immediately so if you apply it to anyone who's very low health you will immediately get a or almost immediately get a big increase to your health so junker queen looking like she is going to become the new meta if you will Moving on from there, Orisa, Augmented Fusion Driver damage increased to 13, up from 12. Uh, not too much to talk about there, won't really worry about that too much, but Orisa getting a minor buff. Winston, Jetpack Damage Radius before falloff begins increased to 1.3 meters, up from 1. This is another small change. Um, they say here that this small change is aimed at equalizing representation on the competitive ladder. Winston's balance is especially tricky for the team because while the scientist is severely underrepresented on the ladder, he's the most used tank in professional play among Overwatch League players. And that's uh, something that if you've been following the Overwatch League, of course you know uh, we are in a dive-dominated meta, I would say, although I do think that the variety of what we've been seeing in the Overwatch League has actually been pretty decent. We certainly have, uh, you know, things certainly started off with uh, very dive-centric with, you know, a Winston uh, a dive composition. We now are seeing a lot more uh, Ramatra coming into play with a more of a brawly look, uh, a lot more Reinhardt coming into play to kind of counter or as an alternative to that Ramatra. Um, we've even seen a little bit of D.Va for some mobility and things like that. Uh, the only ones we're really not seeing that much. Um, we, we have even actually been seeing uh, Junker Queen in certain situations played by certain teams and really making it work, which has also been interesting. Um, I would probably say the only uh, uh, tank heroes we're not really seeing too much of right now um, are probably Orisa is probably one of them. Uh, Roadhog, I mean, we don't typically see too much of in general unless it is literally a um, a Roadhog meta. Um, other than that, I mean, we haven't really been seeing too much ball, which I know people thought we might see a ball meta early on. Um, and then, you know, Sigma comes out for certain maps on certain scenarios. Doomfist usually comes out as last minute, you know, I need to rush to the point kind of pick. But uh, in any case, that's kind of what we're seeing now. Now let's move on to the patch notes again. Wrecking Ball, adaptive shield effect duration decreased from seven seconds down from nine, de decreased to seven seconds. 
down from 9. This is the only true nerf to come to a tank, but it's for a good reason. Any player who has played enough solo queue on the competitive ladder has seen just how annoying this wrecking ball player, a wrecking ball player can be, especially with all of the health the hamster can give his disruptive machinery. Interesting one there. Uh, I do think at my ranks, you know, you typically see wrecking balls not being very good, but if you get a good one, then they just don't die. So this is a, you know, pretty decent nerf, if you ask me. Moving on from there. Echo, duplicate cost reduction. Uh, sorry, duplicate cost reduced by 25%. So, of course, her ult costs 25% less to uh, to build up to. So, um, you're getting that ult faster. Duplicate ultimate generation decreased to four times normal, while duplicate is active, down from 5.5 times. So... A little bit interesting there. I'm going to read the uh, breakdown they have here. The time it takes to get Echo's duplicate ultimate is lower, but while the robot is in its duplicated form, it won't generate its copied ultimate nearly as quickly. The aim here is to get players to use duplicate to provide team utility as opposed to using it in an effort to generate uh, quickly generate multiple copied ultimates. So essentially, Echo will be able to duplicate sooner, but won't necessarily get that ult from the copied uh, duplicate as as quickly, right? Um, down from 5.5, I mean, I always felt like it really did seem like Echo, uh, when she was duplicating, was able to get that uh, duplicate's um, ultimate very quickly. Down to four times is interesting because I don't think that's a super significant decrease and I don't think they really want it to be unattainable. But I do think, I mean, as they say there, they want players to focus on who are you going to choose to give you the most, um, you know, ability to uh, turn a fight in your tide without just instantly getting a kill or something like that, right? There's a reason we typically saw a tank uh, uh, duplicated. If it was a diva, you'd get a diva because they could build up that diva bomb very quickly. Um, if it was a Winston, they would uh, build up the primal very quickly and then trigger your primal. And of course, primal can just scatter an entire team. So... Now it will be more, I think, focused on, okay, what's the best in this situation? Or at least, you know, that's the idea. Junkrat, concussion mine damage increased from, uh, increased to 110, up from 100. This slight buff is in response to a previous adjustment that made Junkrat's mine grenade combo a little underwhelming. Ana, biotic grenade healing decreased from 60 to 100. Ana is the most used healer both on the ladder and in pro play. Her biotic grenade is some of her strongest utility, and the burst healing being 100 was extremely powerful in a pinch. So essentially here they're nerfing Ana so she can't basically save herself from every situation. Because really, uh, in the past, if you know a Winston went to dive you, Ana could throw that biotic grenade on herself, and it would basically be a get-out-of-jail-free card kind of thing. Um, especially if she could you know, pull off a biotic grenade and then sleep, she could really get out of it almost any situation. But this way... She gets a little bit, uh, a little bit less healing from that biotic grenade, you know, maybe changes things a little bit for her. Baptiste immortality field cooldown decreased from twenty three seconds down, or decreased to twenty three seconds down from twenty five. Um, slight adjustment. A lot of people probably won't really notice this. Um, it's a buff, but it's not going to change things too, too much. Kuriko kunai reloads after sixty five percent of its animation is complete, down from seventy five percent. New hero option to have Healing Ofuda cancels Kunai Reload. This is less of a buff and more about quality of life. The hero's healing can sometimes interrupt Kunai Reloads in a way that can be frustrating to deal with. So overall what you're seeing here, um, if you watch pro play, so if you watch the Overwatch League, you will notice that in the past when... Pardon my alarm there. In the past when players have used uh, the Kunai uh, to do damage uh, as Kuriko, and then of course... Um, throwing out uh, uh her i forget what her heal is called uh throwing out her healing what you would see is they would throw out the kunai and then they would do this thing where it looked like she was reloading uh but she wouldn't get all the way through the animation and so essentially what they were doing was they were in they were doing another input to cancel the animation because they were able to cancel the animation sooner than watching the whole thing go through so they could get out healing uh, before that animation was uh, without having to wait for the full animation to complete now through this it's telling us that technically speaking when she was 75 percent through that animation that's when they would cancel because then they could throw out heals now that full reload is actually done after 65 percent of that animation so we're still going to see what looks like kind of doing that but ultimately it means you can get heals out quicker after reloading your kunai so 
anyways, little bit of a, a buff for Kiriko, um at very, very high levels, but I would suggest that, yeah, most, most players aren't going to notice too much about this, and it is kind of quality of life. Life Weaver. Life Grip can no longer target Reinhardt during Earth Shatter. Using Earth Shatter will cancel Life Grip. This one almost goes without discussion. The number of clips of Reinhardt's having their Earth Shatter ruined by a Life Grip floating around social media is astronomical. This is surely a day of celebration for Rhine mains across the world. So this one's a little bit interesting if you ask me. Um, I understand the idea behind it. Obviously, as they point out there, there's a ton of clips of this happening. Ryan goes to drop his Earth Shatter on an entire team. Uh, Life Weaver uses Life Grip, pulls Reinhardt completely out of the way, and Life and Earth Shatter just hits the ground and does nothing. Uh, waste of an ult kind of thing. Infuriating from the Reinhardt standpoint, uh, frustrating from uh, the rest of the team standpoint, and a good laugh if you are on the uh, <laughs> the newly saved end of that. Ultimately, I don't know how much I really agree with a decision like this because I do think it poses a bit of a question about what about everyone else, right? If you are, let's say, a Reaper and you use Death Blossom and you're falling down from the sky on top of the enemy team, you're about to get a 4K and your team's Life Weaver uses Life Grip, it will pull you right out of the fight and now your Death Blossom is wasted. Should Death Blossom cancel Life Grip? Should all uh, um, ultimates be canceled? Uh, sorry, cancel out Life Grip? That's kind of the debate that we're seeing here, right? Um, I could see an argument either way. I I lean towards the fact that Life Grip it should either be sort of an all or nothing kind of thing. But then you come into situations where it's something like, let's say. Junkrat. Junkrat uses his, uh, his uh, what the heck is it called? His tire mind thing. And maybe a Life Weaver sees someone is about to come up on the stationary Junkrat who is piloting his tire. Well, guess what? Life Weaver could use Life Grip to save that Junkrat. The fact is, just because he's ulting, should it then not allow Life Weaver to save him? You know, that's that's kind of the dilemma we're in. I could see something where it's like, if you are remote, I don't even know how to phrase it, but um, if you are controlling something else while using your alt, then it won't, then it will, then life grip will still work on you. So in that case, you know, Junkrat would, it would still save a Junkrat. Um, trying to think of another character, um, a Bastion maybe, it would save a Bastion because of course Bastion goes stationary to use his alt. Um, whereas if you're something like a May or, or I mean, a Reinhardt, um, even a diva, it would actually not do anything. So the second you pull, uh, the second you hit your alt button, if you're a diva, you would pop out of your mech. Maybe you go with the life grip thing, but your mech stays. Um, or I would probably lean towards it just cancels the whole thing there and your body's just there. Um, just like Reinhardt, you know, you earth shatter and it just cancels it out kind of thing. I kind of would like to see something more like that. You could even say, you know, something like Sombra. If Sombra uses EMP, um, life grip can save her if the EMP has gone off. But if you are in a life grip and you use EMP, it ejects you out of it or something like that, right? I could see something like that working. That that maybe makes more sense to me. I don't know how easy that would be to build into the game, but I could see something like that going over uh, a little bit better than just doing it for one hero. I'm, I'm a little bit, I think it's a little bit silly to just apply it to one hero. It seems a little unfair because again, life grip affects every hero and could certainly affect you know almost almost uh negate any ult or uh, or really help any ult so that's my thoughts on that anyways those are the patch notes um or at least the the main hero patch notes so we've got some interesting stuff going on there um certainly some some big updates there and uh of course this will affect the gameplay and what we're seeing played uh, in terms of hero picks, especially on the tank side of things, I think quite significantly. Now, another aside from this is that Sean Miller, of course, uh, president of the Overwatch League, did actually tweet out that because uh, the first half of the Overwatch League has already started on the initial season four patch, they will be splitting up things. So they will not be having the Overwatch League play on this patch. If they did, things would definitely be shifting to a junk Junker Queen meta. But they're not. So I think we're still going to see a lot of the meta diversity that we are seeing um, in the Overwatch League 
with a lot of these different characters being played. So I'm happy for that in the sense of good Overwatch to watch and not being stuck in a Junker Queen uh, meta, a Jotes meta, as if you will, which we've seen before. But uh, it does put pose a question of fracturing the player base between the professionals and the regular people who realistically the regular people are what should drive the game right the game should drive the esport not the other way around if you ask me so anyways there is no esport without the game that's kind of my philosophy on this anyways enough about balancing and everything let's move on to our next article here this next article comes from .esports.com this time written by Ralston Dakinay posted on May 9th which reads Blizzard adds swath of hero options for Overwatch 2 players to improve quality of life for as long as hero mechanics have been at the forefront of Overwatch 2 competition, it's hard not to acknowledge Blizzard has given players the tools they need to master their craft. One stroll through the options menu and players will find a plethora of different quality of life settings that they can tailor to their liking for each and every hero in the game, from sensitivity and key bindings to crosshair and UI. With Overwatch 2's latest mid-season patch for Season 4, it seems Blizzard is expanding these efforts, efforts sorry, with a hefty addition of hero-specific hero options that should prove to be useful even for the most seasoned of players. For instance, May mains, who've long swapped their primary and secondary firebinds in order to aim their, red, their icicles more comfortably, now have the ability to customize her ice wall confirmation input. Previously, those who chose to shoot May's icicles with left-click were forced to adjust to the awkward command of confirming her wall placements with right-click. Here's the full list of new hero options added in today's Overwatch 2 update. Now, there's a lot here. Um, I haven't actually looked through these, uh, but I'm just going to kind of quickly scroll through on the fly here and read out some of them. So we start with D.Va. We've got Hide Boosters Cancel Text off by default. Hide Boosters Timer off by default. So that's, of course, when you use D.Va's boosters, there is a uh, short timer so you can see when they're going to run out. You can turn that off if you want to. Um, you cannot, There's also text that says, you know, press this to cancel your boosters. Um, it'll turn that off uh, if you turn this on as well. So, you know, interesting things there. Um, if we look at, let's see, Roadhog, hide whole hog timer. Very similar thing. When Roadhog is ulting, there's a timer so you can see how long his whole hog is going to last for. Um, you can turn that off now. Winston toggles secondary fire off by default. So this, I believe, um, it sounds like it's toggling off the ability to use a secondary fire altogether. I can't imagine that's it. I imagine it's probably the reticle uh, growth because currently the default is when you hold his ult or you charge or not his ult when you charge his secondary fire the reticle expands as a bit of a circle until it's full and then it blasts so i'm assuming this means turning that off um you know we've got another timer with cassidy so high deadeye timer um high deadeye cancellation text so very similar to diva timer and the button to cancel out of his deadeye um we've got Farah, we've got toggle hover jets so that's of course there's a bit of a meter on the screen when you're using her hover jets so you can see um you know kind of the rhythm you need to be in if you want to maintain flight um lots of things like that right lots of just options tracer blink ui um on by default so this is of course showing on the ui that how many blink charges she has and when they replenish you can turn that off um the blink it's called blink ui it is on by default so that's what we're used to but you can turn that off. So lots of different things in here. Again, I'm not going to go through them all. If you're curious, go look these up because overall, the way I see it, more options, the better. You know, for some people, this may, uh, these these things will uh, certainly be welcome, long, long welcome. So moving on from there, we're going to stick with .esports.com. Actually, the rest of our stories are .esports.com. There's a lot of .esports.com this, this week. We're going to go back to an article by Max Michelli, this time posted on May 9th, which reads Overwatch 2 Starwatch, Game Mode Explainer, Dates, Challenges, and Rewards. Overwatch 2 Season 4's most anticipated limited time event Starwatch begins today, and with it, players will have an opportunity to take part in a special adventure in a galaxy far, far away. Galactic Rescue is an arcade mode associated with the Starwatch that might not technically be a crossover, but it certainly draws a lot of inspiration from outer space-themed sci-fi properties like Star Wars and Star Trek. Along with being able to play the new hybrid between PvP and PvE, players have a handful of challenges they can partake in for a couple of weeks. Overwatch 2's Starwatch event began on May 9th and will run until May 22nd. That gives players two full weeks to play the game's limited time mode and earn a full range of cosmetic rewards. Once the Overwatch 
uh, sorry, once the Overwatch event is over, the game mode and cosmetics will be vaulted. So make sure to log in and get some of these challenges completed if you're interested in having a shiny new intergalactic wrecking ball skin. They've then got the uh, challenges listed here. We've got complete five Starwatch event challenges. We've got uh, destroy three gravity canisters in Starwatch. Stay airborne in low gravity for four seconds. Complete five games of Starwatch. Wins grant double progress. Resurrect a teammate and complete four games. Wins grant double progress. So those should actually be pretty attainable. And of course, uh, the completing five of them gets you a, a wrecking ball skin there, it looks like. Um, we've got a voice line for Sigma. We've got a spray, I believe, and maybe a player icon or two. Um, so some good stuff in there. Uh, and also, of course, some battle pass experience there. It looks like uh, 30,000 for completing. No, it might be 3,000. I think that's 3,000 for completing the uh, all of the challenges, essentially 2,500 for completing the rest of them. Moving on from there, uh, we've also got... How to play uh so it is galactic rescue is a four versus four com combination of pvp and pve players that select to fight for the watchers an intergalactic rebellion group team up with an npc version of doomfist and attempt to capture four points on an adaption of horizon lunar colony the players must capture four points to win the map before the time runs out the defensive side in this case is the infinite empire led by none other than galactic emperor sigma they are tasked with defending the four points, and instead of getting an NPC to assist them, the team has turrets at each point that helps them defend the capture point. Along with the turrets and an NPC, there are a few mechanics players will want to watch out for, including some anti-gravity shenanigans on the final point, as well as vials throughout the map that, if broken, create graviton surges similar to Zarya's alt. So, wanted to bring this up because this is pretty cool. Um, I, I talked about this when we recorded Ready, Set, Pwn last night. Uh... This is, in my opinion, an awesome, air quotes, crossover event, because this is the closest we are going to get to a literal Star Wars crossover. Um, if you look at many of the themes from this season and many of these skins, you know, there's bounty hunter skins. We have bounty hunters, obviously, in uh, in Star Wars. You know, there's, there's princes, and there's uh, princesses, and there's alien races, and there's droids i mean hey overall the goal of the uh star watch event i believe is to save a robot called three cho which is of course you know it's echo and it almost literally spells echo but that's also very reminiscent of c3po from star wars so if you are a star wars fan if you're a science fiction fan obviously get in there and get going with this event um i haven't actually had a chance to play it yet but i am excited to get in there i, I want to see how they've uh, set dressed horizon lunar colony and everything um, to look like this. And I do want to earn some of these, uh, these skins and I want to complete the battle pass as well. So there you have it. That's your star watch, uh, breakdown. Moving on from there, uh, just a bit of a, I probably should have included this in the PSA section of the show, but I've got a tweet here from the Overwatch Cavalry. Uh, of course, there is one from Overwatch, uh, the Overwatch account itself, but this reads, get ready for new Hammond-inspired Twitch drops for Season 4. Earn by watching any stream in the Overwatch 2 category until May 22nd. Two hours, Wrecking Ball Toolbox Spray, and five hours, Toolbox Souvenir. So, people are a little bit upset about these rewards. I think, generally speaking, people want a skin when they're for their Twitch rewards, but ultimately you're getting these for just watching the game and honestly you can put it on anything and then walk away so people need to stop complaining like you know i understand that the souvenirs aren't the greatest thing they're kind of cool i think they just need to have a better implementation and then spray i mean does anyone really care about sprays not in my opinion i certainly don't so anyways that is your twitch drops from may 9th through 22nd for our final news story, we're going to read an article by Harrison Thomas posted on May 10th, that's today as of recording, which reads, Sigma ripped out of Overwatch 2 competitive games after game-breaking bug surfaces. The new Overwatch 2 patch shipped this week uh, tackled various minute details causing chaos in-game, but one change seems to have caused more than it solved. It's accidentally destroyed Sigma's abilities. Now Blizzard has been forced to put him back on the operating table to find the solution to the faulty mechanic. Sigma's abilities were made null and void thanks to the May 9th patch, which was attempting to tweak his gravi gravitic flux. Instead, the Overwatch update saw Sigma locked out of his abilities, with only allowing flying in his primary fire actually working. After discovering the bug, Blizzard, Blizzard's developers rushed to disable Sigma from all competitive matches, as confirmed by Aaron Keller on Twitter on May 10th. This shock... 
this shock roster suspension has no official end date just yet. Outside of the bug, the May patch uh, changed Sigma's ultimate Gravitic Flux to automatically cast after a timer ran out, alongside a long list of detailed hero changes. Characters like blah, 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 blah. We already talked about all that. So anyways, very interesting stuff here. Um, but, you know, maybe this falls in the PSA category as well. Again, Sigma no longer playable and competitive right now. He is broken. Um, so yeah, that's why you can't play him. He'll be locked if you take a look. So and there you have it. That is all of our news for this week. Now, the next part of the show that we'll move on to here, this is this has already been a pretty hefty news episode. So we're going to roll right on over to the Owl Recap, and we will take a look at this past week's matches in the Overwatch League. Get in there, Bob! All right, so here we go. We've got week two in the Overwatch League. Here's your recap of this past week's matches. Um, some very exciting matches this past week and some not-so-exciting matches. So we kick things off on Friday, May 5th, of course, in the early a.m. with some matches in the Eastern region. We saw the Hangzhou Spark 3-1, the Dallas Fuel. We then saw the Seoul Infernal 3-0, the Shanghai Dragons. Then, over in the West, we saw the Toronto Defiant take the New York Excelsior all the way to 5 and win it out 3-2. Or should I say, the New York Excelsior took the Toronto Defiant all the way to 5, but ultimately lost to the Toronto Defiant. This was a very impressive match, I think, for the New York Excelsior, and a kind of worrisome match for the Toronto Defiant. It's going to be very interesting to see what Toronto does from here and how they're able to overcome uh, some of these more difficult teams, um, not including New York, because I think New York is not not one of the upper echelon teams, but I think New York uh, is probably looking a lot more surprising than a lot of, or a lot better than most people pegged them at the beginning of the season. So if you're curious to hear my more in-depth thoughts on uh, any of the Toronto or Vancouver matches from this past weekend, go check out our latest episode of Ready, Set, Pwn, because we do go in-depth on uh, those matches there. Moving on from there, still Friday, May 5th, we saw the Washington Justice 3-0, the Los Angeles Valiant. We then saw the Atlanta Reign 3-0, the Vancouver Titans. Moving on to Saturday, back in the East, we saw the Soul Infernal 3-0, the Dallas Fuel. We then saw the Guangzhou Charge 3-0, the Soul Dynasty this time. Back in the West, the New York Excelsior came out with uh, their first win of the weekend with a 3-1 win over the Los Angeles Valiant. The Boston Uprising then took a 3-0 win over the Washington Justice. And finally, closing things out on Saturday, the Los Angeles Gladiators duked it out with the Florida Mayhem and ultimately came out on top with a 3-2 score. Finally, back in the East, our Sunday matches were the Shanghai Dragons beating the Seoul Dynasty 3-1 and the Guangzhou Charge coming out 3-0 over top of the Hangzhou Spark. Then our Sunday matches in the West started off with Florida Mayhem rolling over the Toronto Defiant 3-0, unfortunately. The Vancouver Titans with probably what was your match of the week, uh, very surprisingly, but pulling out a 3-0 win over the Boston Uprising. Vancouver looking crisp and clean in this match. And then, of course, closing things out, the Atlanta Reign 3-0'd the Los Angeles Gladiators. So overall, it was a very, very interesting weekend of matches. Um, we had some very surprising results. I think that Toronto Defiant... Uh, over New York Excelsior 3-2 was very shocking. I think most people expected uh, New York to be a bit of a role for the Toronto Defiant. Um, obviously, another big surprise was the Vancouver Titans 3-0 over the Boston Uprising. Um, and an exciting match, definitely the Los Angeles Gladiators 3-2 over the Florida Mayhem. I think that is a bit of a rivalry we'll see throughout this season. Um, and then, of course, the Atlanta Reign 3-0 over the Los Angeles Gladiators. Uh, very surprising there. I think people probably had expectations that the Gladiators would put up more of a fight against the Atlanta Reign, but Atlanta continuing to look dominant. And then over in the East, of course, we saw Shanghai lose one, win one. Um, we saw the Seoul Infernal win both their games, so that's exciting. And of course, the Guangzhou Charge being a bit of a sleeper hit here. I don't think anybody ranked them as highly as, uh, as they are now uh, proving to be, um, especially with the fact that... Uh, we are certainly in a Jimmy meta, and Jimmy is just dominating on the Hanzo there. So that is a bit of a recap of this past week's matches in the Overwatch League. Now, let's head on over to our pickums, and we'll take a look at our upcoming weekend. 
Now, of course, I have already done my pickums because we do them uh, also on the Ready Set Pwn podcast. Um, I actually did them before the podcast. Usually, I do them live on this show, but uh, going forward, you know, I'll probably have them already done going into uh, recording One Man Watchpoint. So, here we are on Friday, May twelfth. Uh, I guess things starting in the East. I have the Seoul Dynasty taking a three-two win over the Hangzhou Spark. I'm changing that. Why? Why did I say that? I'm changing that to. Hangzhou taking a 3-2 win over the Seoul Dynasty. Then the Shanghai Dragons I have getting a 3-1 win over the Dallas Fuel. Moving on to the West region. We see things kick off at 1 p.m. Of course, this is mountain time because it is local to me. Uh, And the London Spitfire are going to 3-0 the Vegas Eternal. Then at 2.30 p.m., the Florida Mayhem will 3-0 the Los Angeles Valiant. Then at 4 p.m., we have what might just be your match of the week with the Atlanta Rain facing off against the Houston Outlaws, and I have Atlanta taking this 3-2. I do think there's a good chance this is a 3-0. I think Atlanta is looking that dominant. The problem is we haven't seen Houston play that much yet this season, and because of that, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. After this weekend and how they do against the Atlanta Rain, we will have a much better idea of where the the potential gap between these two teams is it big or is it small moving on from there sunday or saturday sorry may 13th we see the seoul dynasty take on the dallas fuel and i have seoul winning that 3-0 we then see the guangzhou charge taking on the seoul infernal and i have guangzhou taking that 3-1 then back in the west we have the san francisco shock i have them taking the washington justice 3-1 at 2.30 p.m., I have the New York Excelsior 3-0ing the Las Vegas Eternal. Then at 4 p.m., Atlanta Rain continues their win streak with a 3-0 over the Los Angeles Valiant. Finally, as we come into Sunday, May 14th, it's my birthday. Hey, it's my birthday. Hooray. That's right, I'm turning 31 on that day. So if you're listening to this podcast, tweet at me on Sunday, May 14th, and wish me a happy birthday. That is your job. For this weekend anyways sunday may 14th things start off in the east with the soul infernal i have them taking a win over the hangzhou spark 3-1 that's a bit of a question mark i don't know if that'll be true but i'm gonna give soul infernal the benefit of the doubt there then at 3 30 a.m of course mountain time the guangzhou charge will 3-0 the shanghai dragons and finally for my sunday birthday day matches in the west the florida mayhem will 3-0 the london spitfire the houston outlaws will 3-0 the washington justice and finally at 4 p.m San Francisco Shock will 3-1 the New York Excelsior. Now, the only thing I have to say about that last and final match is that I'm very curious to see how the San Francisco Shock's matches go this weekend. I shouldn't say the last match because I'm touching on two matches now. Um, San Francisco plays the Washington Justice and the New York Excelsior. I do think that the Washington Justice is not necessarily a terrible team this season. I would have rated them higher than the San Francisco, or sorry, than the New York Excelsior. Sorry, I have I, I rate San Francisco quite highly. Um, but after New York's performance against Toronto this past weekend, I do question: Is New York significantly higher in the rankings than the Washington Justice? And that's why I'm curious to see how the shock matches go this weekend. They play these two teams that I see as kind of similarly ranked. And I'm very curious to see how both of these teams hold up against a team that, for all intents and purposes, most people consider to be a powerhouse this season. So I'm very curious to see if the Washington Justice can put up much of a fight against the San Francisco Shock, and if the New York Excelsior can as well. Um, I have more faith in the New York Excelsior being able to, again, based on how they took the Toronto Defiant 5, based on how they looked against the Toronto Defiant, but ultimately... Do I think either, do I have much faith that either of these teams will beat the San Francisco Shock? Not really. There are rumors right now that San Francisco still, you know, doesn't have a facility or players don't quite have everything set up. Maybe there's some visa issues there. Um, how true all that is is, you know, remains to be seen. But I think we are still waiting for the powerhouse San Francisco Shock that uh, everyone expected to see this season. So, anyways, that is my pickums for this upcoming week in the overwatch league that is of course week three now the interesting thing about this is that is all we have available to us on the pickums um i know there's gonna be more but i i don't actually see uh the ability to jump forward any further um 
in the actual pickums. Now I'm going to do one thing here and I'm going to pull up the Overwatch League schedule and I'm just going to see if the schedule is actually out beyond this third week. So of course I went through all those matches. So week four, it looks like we do have a schedule for week four already. So we will see, you know, just to touch on a few teams that of course uh, I am a fan of and I follow quite closely. We will see the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant back in action on May 19th um, for the weekend following this upcoming weekend. Uh, they do have a bye week along with a few other teams have a bye week this uh, this May 13th and 14th weekend. Uh, so they do get a bit of a break there. But regardless, like I say, um, yeah, we do have our schedule through all the way through eight weeks, I believe. Uh, okay. Week 8 is TBD because those will be seeding for uh, the midseason madness, I believe. Week 7 might just be a bye week or something like that. Week 6 is blank right now. Okay, so we're rapidly approaching not having a schedule. <laughs> we have our schedule through May, it looks like. Weeks 3, 4, and 5. So 3 is the most closest week to us right now. Weeks 4 and 5, we do have scheduled matches. Looks like week six is TBD, so those must be seeding and placement matches. Week seven is probably a buy. And then week eight, of course, will be um, moving into the midseason madness, I'm assuming. But uh, we shall see. Anyways, that is all your action in the Overwatch League uh, this upcoming week. So I think with that said, let's head on over and close out the show. Bob's not ready yet. All right. Well, Bob's not ready yet, but thank you very much for listening to episode 107 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you are a returning listener or if you're a brand new listener, hopefully you, li you listened all the way through this episode and you now know that I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials, but especially over on Twitter where you can follow me. And you can, of course, tweet at me, send me messages, DM me, whatever you've got. Bring me questions, bring me comments, bring me concerns, bring me topics for the show as they relate to Overwatch, the Overwatch League, uh, video games in general, Blizzard games, whatever you've got. I would love to bring it to the show and talk about it. It. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, where I am the third chair, along with my co-hosts, co Chris and Alex. We talk everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant around the Overwatch League. Once again, thanks very much for listening to episode 107 of One Man Watchpoint, and we'll catch you next week for all the latest and greatest Overwatch news. Bob's taking a breather.